Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, good morning, and my name is Jason. I'm the lead pastor here at Centerpoint. If I've never had a chance to meet you, man, I would love to connect with you. Uh, and I'm excited. I really am truly excited uh, that you're here this morning uh, because we're in this series called I Want to Believe But, and I've had a privilege of, of talking about some big butts this weekend and, and literally uh, this week. And so there's no pun intended there, but man, it is, it is there's some serious butts in the room. And, um, and for those who are joining online um, and listening to the podcast, uh, we just pray that this, this message today speaks to you and encourages you just as much as it's going to this morning for us. Um, because uh, I just want to encourage those who are listening, literally. Some people just don't want to ever come up to the loft because they're scared, they're intimidated. Man, I promise you, we are stronger together when we're, we gather. We're stronger together when we gather. And I just want to thank everybody for gathering this morning, especially for worship. Um, uh, was that not just awesome? Did y'all just not experience God there? Come on now. Um, that's some serious worship, man. And we, 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 just, we just praise God for that. Uh, and we just pray that that's broadcasted over Danville, literally above the rooftops. Uh, and, and now before we even get going, I just want to plug something there. Uh, I just want to plug something. There's a night of worship. There's something special coming up. There's a night of worship. And on the way out, you're going to get one of these cards as a reminder. Uh, a night of worship. It's this Wednesday. And it's an opportunity for us, it's an opportunity for us literally to engage what God's doing, okay? Uh, we know in three weeks there's something huge coming up in the Christian walk, and if you don't know what it's called, uh, just show up, guarantee it, you're going to be, wow, okay, it's Easter, and everybody's dressed up. It's just sort of the weird thing we do as Christians, I don't know why we dress up on Easter, but we wear the bow ties, we wear the big hats, you know, and the Easter bunny brought them. I don't know, it's just weird, but what I do know is, is Jesus rose from the grave on Easter. That's what I do know. That's what I know. And, and so to prepare our hearts, prepare our hearts, we're going to worship. We're going to prepare our hearts to worship and, and, and experience him. And we want you to be a part of that on Wednesday night. We have three weeks to get laser focused on what God's trying to draw us into uh, and to reveal to us this Easter. Uh, and this, this could be the year that it all clicks for somebody. Literally, in this room. This, this should be the year that, that it just clicks. I'm like, wait a minute. It's not about a routine. It's not about tradition. It's not about coming to church. It's literally a Jesus thing. And this could be the year. It's just simply by coming to a, an authentic type of worship moment uh, that we get to gather and experience his name. Uh, and this could be the moment for a friend uh, of yours, a coworker, a classmate that is coming because of your invitation, because you decided to get serious about this one little card and, and, and then give it to somebody. You got two days to give it to somebody, really. Uh, and you can do that simply and just watch what God does. And maybe you have to go pick them up. But that, hey, that's okay. At least you can go to Taco Bell on the way home. Uh, and, then, and then last but not least, you know, you could be in a spiritual dip. You could be in a spiritual dip in life where you're just like, you know what? I'm, I just, I, I don't feel it. Don't want to be a part of it. But, you know, I'm going to come. This could be the moment that you come slinging out of that dip and literally experience God. And that's what I believe is going to happen on Wednesday with our night of worship. If you've never been to one, I encourage you to be here. There is child care for, uh, like I believe, uh, second grade and below, but everybody in third grade and up. We want them in here. We want them in here. We want the, the kids in here with us. We want everybody to experience this. We believe it's just going to be an awesome, awesome night. We do not want you to miss out on that. So I'm just going to plug that as much as I can in the next two days. Once you help me on social media, plug that, uh, because we believe there's people that literally need to experience Jesus through worship 
And uh, if this right here, little worship set, has anything to do with Wednesday night, man, just get ready. Get ready to have your socks blown off, uh, literally, because you're going to be up on holy ground, or up in the air on holy ground. Anyways, um, hey, we're into part two. We're into part two of this series called I Want to Believe But. And, and I know uh, a lot of people have some, you know, like I said earlier, some pretty big buts. And because I've been asking them, you know, I've been really in, engaging into that one huge word. It's only three letters. Uh, but um, and some of the things that I've talked about this week, especially with people and in conversations, whether it be the hub or downtown or uh, everywhere else, is, is, is literally these butts. It's crazy. They're, they're, they're coming out and, and, and people are talking about them with confidence. Like, you know, but I, here's one. I'll believe I'll believe maybe when I'm 30 or, you know, I got time to do what I want to do. I got time to do what I want to do. And so I'm going to live my lifestyle. It's, it's okay that I'm living with my boyfriend having sex all the time. It's okay. It's, it's okay for me to drink this. It's okay for me to do this, but I'll, I'll, I'll get my life right when. Ah, I'm just sitting there going, man, you know, and it's crazy how the culture has adapted to bigger butts. I, I don't understand it. You know, we do. We have. We have increased our butt size. You don't believe me? Look at your seats. Look at them. It's true. It is so true. We've increased our butt sizes simply because we believe we believe we're in the right. I, I've, I've seen some other butts this week where I, I want to believe in God, but, but, what about all these other religions? How come Christianity is the one that's right? How is it that you can claim that a God put everything in motion and you think you're right? I mean, there's just so many other good religions out there. What about this one? I would love to believe, but God just didn't answer my prayers when my father died of cancer. He just, he didn't even, he didn't even talk to me. I, I didn't feel nothing. I want to believe, but I don't feel nothing. I, I really want to experience what everybody else is, you know, raising, I stand in awe. I want, I want to stand in awe, but my hands are stuck in my pockets, and I can't get them out because I just don't feel nothing. You see, last week we began talking about some of the, the hurdles or challenges that people have in their faith. There are a lot of people that want to believe in God, but there's something that happened, some reason, some hurdle that, that keeps them from completely believing in Jesus Christ. And, and, and the idea that we made last week is, is that there's so many people are not rejecting the true God. They're not rejecting the true God, but they're, what they're doing is rejecting a distorted view of who they think God is. I mean, culture has dictated a lot of, of what they think, especially, let me put it in a, another category, I think churches have done it. They've tainted the gospel. They've tried to add things to it. Let me tell you something. You can't add nothing to the gospel. It is finished. There is no such thing as prosperity gospels. It doesn't exist. But we ask for him to show up and give us all these blessings. It's a wrong view of God because of what they see or what we see. 
You see, last week we talked about an on-demand God, the, the God who does everything we want, right? The God, that, that God does not exist. <laughs> he hasn't showed up in my life yet. We are called to serve him. He, he's not here to serve us with a demand. And we love a demand. We love the remote control, right? And next week, and for those who are leaning in a little bit this morning, um, for those who have been beat to death with rules, you need to be here. You need to be here. We're, we're going to talk about what I call a killjoy type of God. And I would love to believe, but I'm not following all the rules that are set up. And I mean, there's just so many rules besides that, 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 that you know, there's so many rules that church has. And that's, that's for boring church people, right? You know, Jesus did say, follow me and you will change. And a lot of churches in this region say, hey, change, and then come on in. Are you with me? I know this for a fact, and it breaks my heart because I hear people all the time, hey, I just don't want to be a part of that God. I don't want to be a part of that. But I want us to learn together next week as we talk about a killjoy God. I want to believe in God, but all these different reasons and rules, I just don't want to be a part of them. And so if you know somebody, if you know somebody that, that's literally struggling in that aspect, you, they, they need to be here. You need to encourage them to be here. But today, I, I want to talk about a goosebump God. Goose, goose pimples, right? Goose pimples. Feel it. Touchy feely. Uh, I, I want to believe in God, but I just don't feel him. I just don't feel it. And, and, and so how do you believe in a God you can't see, right? How do you believe in a God you can't see, you can't hear him, you can't even speak audibly or that James or old Jones voice, you know, that deep voice, and you just don't feel it. You're just like, I, I, I don't feel it. I come here week after week, and I just don't feel it. I, I want to believe in God, and I do it because my, my, my sister comes, and my brother comes, and my mom comes, but I just don't feel him. My wife comes, and she gets all into it, and she's jumping up and down praising God, and I'm just sitting here, whew. Game comes on what time? I just don't feel it. You see, over the past couple of years, even this weekend, I've had this statement presented to me. I want to believe, but I just can't because I don't feel him. I mean, I do believe in God, but I don't know about this whole feely, touchy thing about with Jesus. I just don't know. You see, some of the things I've heard from some of you and others is I've tried to read the Bible and I don't understand or I don't feel it. It's just too difficult. It's too challenging. I try to sing the songs and everybody else just seems to feel something totally different. And I'm not raising my hands because I don't want to be called a fruitcake. To be honest, when you look around and see people with their hands up and when my mind's just buried deep down my pocket... If I'm being really truthful, I feel numb. I want to experience it, but I can't. I feel bankrupt, and I don't know what to do. So I just walk out the door and go live my life this week. When I pray, Jason, when I pray, it's like I'm talking out loud, and I don't feel like anybody's listening anymore. Well, I don't like praying out loud in the first place. That's why I never choose to pray in groups. I just squeeze the hand of the next person quickly. Pass it. Pass it on. Zoom. Don't want to do it. Anybody ever been there? It's like popcorn prayer. Yep, yep, yep. Nope. Mm-mm. 
And you're just waiting, come on, Jesus, move him, move him, move him. He's like, mm-hmm. So funny. It's because it's true. You just sort of sense the heart. Especially if you've been involved in church long enough as a leader, you just sort of sense the hurt and you can see the pressure on them. They want to know it, they want to feel it, but it just is not there. And I guarantee this, the truth about today is this. There's many of you, and either at some point of your life or even right now, or you know somebody that wants to believe in God, but you just don't feel him. And you're sitting right here, right now, or you're listening online. You want to believe, but you just don't feel his presence. And here on the flip side of that same conversation is this. We got Mr. Christian Tushu. And they're the ones that, you know, they're a little bit more Christian than the rest of us, if you know what I'm talking about. Can we say that one? They're just a little bit more Christian than the rest of us. I mean, they feel God all the time. They feel like they're walking on water all the time. They're a skip to the loo. They're Mary Poppins on, on crack. I mean, they're just, you know, they're weird. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, you're laughing because it's true, but it's really, they, they, they annoy some of you all. It's like they feel God all the time. They're singing, they're, they're, they're singing, they're singing these songs. They feel him in the clouds. They, they can look up and see a shadow and go, oh, look, it's Jesus. You know, the chicken nugget God. We got a snorter. Just saying, we, we've got a snorter. But, for example, I woke up this morning and heard the birds singing, and you're like, it was Jesus saying to me, this is the Lord's day, and I'm going to rejoice and sing and be glad. You know, they get in their car, and they got a full tank of gas. They go to work, and they're like, man, I get a raise. Oh, my goodness, this is the greatest day in the world God has provided because I studied my Bible last night. He spoke to me, and he said, go to work. You're going to get a raise. And then you get home, and your kids, they all come marching in one by one, single file, and they go, Daddy, we got all A's. We're on the honor row, and we got a scholarship as a second grader to Vanderbilt University. Yeah, and then there's the rest of us (laughs) who walk outside, and the bird flies by you at 100 miles an hour and drops the crap on your nose. You get in the car, you back over the trash can, knock over the mailbox, you know, scratches down the side. You get to work. There's no parking spaces, so you're parking in the back dump lot. You get to work, and then they say, well, this is the fifth time you've been late. You've been canned. You come home. Your kids are walking in, tearing up Jack, and now you get a phone call from the teacher going, parent-teacher conference Now. I would almost assume everybody else is over here in this pile and only a couple people over here just skip to the Malu experiencing Jesus, going, I feel him, I feel him, I feel him. Because you want to believe, but you don't. Because you just can't feel him. Am Am I making sense? How many of you would say this? You have already felt God's presence in church today. If you just be honest, raise your hand. Look around, man. There's just a couple people. There's 
200 people in here. How many would say this? I have honestly felt God's presence sometime this week. Look around. For those of you who are not raising your hand, I want to tell you something. You're not alone. Do you get that? Some of you are walking like, I just don't feel it. I don't get it. I don't get all the goosebumps. I don't get all the tingles up and down my spine. Or maybe you were crying out during the worship just a minute ago, and you're just like, I want that peaceful, easy feeling to come over me. But I don't know. How do you know? How come a person right beside you can feel it, but you can't? Why is it that people come away from church saying, that was so amazing, and others walk away going, what? It was just, just some screens and people raising their hand, hooping and hollering, and some guy had a microphone with a mic to talk way too long. We can't get goosebumps when something really weird happens, right? We can get tingly feelings that we can, literally, we, we can get some tingly feelings when that girl or guy walks into the room and they notice you for the very first time. Are you with me? Maybe you cry during a movie that's emotionally charged towards you. Or even was moved by something your child did or said last week. And to be honest, you can have a peaceful, easy feeling when it's just you alone in in your chair at home with a glass of sweet tea on the front porch. I don't know, I'm kind of being disrespectful of what can happen inside of a church, but I'm being honest. You can get touchy, easy feelings anywhere, right? But how do you know it's the presence of Almighty God? How do you know that you've walked away and felt God? Great question, right? Some of you are like, man, this guy's blaspheming. Man, he's getting struck by lightning. Well, you're in the same room. Am I? I mean, just being honest because you've thought it. I'm just trying to put some tension in the room. Because I want to draw attention to this because this is serious business. Because I know this about emotion. Emotion fades, but devotion, it stays. And a lot of you guys are not devoted. Call an ace and ace. Because we'll experience and we'll come and do this little worship thing, but then we'll walk out of here. We're not devoted the rest of the week. We just play it. We call it what it is. I went to church. I love my. We wear the shirt proudly. We do. So let me ask you this. If you don't feel God today in church, whose fault is it? If you don't feel God today in church, whose fault is it? Is it God's fault? I mean, God's looking at you going, I don't like your attitude this week, and you've been late to church five times over the past month, right? So I'm going to give myself to everybody else on the road, not you, buddy. It's your fault. It, 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 maybe it's your, like your spiritual antennas up, right? Your, your antenna was not tuned in because you're focused on 5 o'clock today. You just get the nervous feeling goosebumps that, you know, something special is going to happen, but you don't know because there's a tar heel in the way. And just being honest, we get distracted by silly things. Or, or let's just blame the worship team. Come on. Let's blame them because they didn't sing my favorite song. They, 
you know, Jaden did not sing my song and I just wanted it. I've seen people walk away doing this. And then they come up to him and go, hey, can you sing this song next week? And he just looks. Man, we, we pray over these songs. We pray over these sermons. Whose fault is it? What do you do if you don't feel God today? Hopefully, by the time we finish up, I pray one of our butts will be eliminated. Or at least it will be shrinking by showing you that in the presence of God, the presence of God is so much bigger than our feelings. The presence of God is so much bigger than our feelings. And I want you to know this. And if you are really seeking this morning or you, you have been to church all your life, I want you to know this. If you don't always feel God's presence, you're not alone. You're not alone. I know this may sound weird to say from the stage as a pastor to confess, but there's been times in my own spiritual journey that I just haven't felt God. You're like, well, how are you a pastor? The truth is, I'm just trying to be obedient and seek him out in everything. And I know that following Jesus is so much more than just a feeling. It's a constant motion, devotion in the same direction. To continue forward in that same direction and trust in him every step of the way. That's called faith. Even though you don't know what the next step looks like, you take that step because the obedience of following, follow me. It doesn't mean that life's not going to get crazy in between. It doesn't mean you're going to have a spiritual dip every once in a while. It doesn't mean that you're not going to feel him every single second of every single song. So let's look at a song, right? The, the psalmist, right? He's full of songs and full of wisdom. The, the Psalms 88. Psalms 88. Got your Bible? Turn to it. If you don't, hey, we're going to throw it on the screen. If you've got a version Bible or an olive tree Bible, pop it out. Turn on that cell phone. Let's do this. Psalms 88. Psalms 88, uh, verse 13 and 14. The psalmist says, you can feel the frustration as he cries out and says this. He says, but God, I cry to you for help. Lord, in the morning, my prayer goes before you, before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? God, I need your help. I want to feel your presence, but it's like heaven is silent today. It's like there's a ceiling. There's a ceiling blocking me from knowing you more. God, I need your presence, but you're not even around. Why do you reject me all the time? You feel that way? You're not alone. This is, this is the psalm. This is, hey, this is a... This is a wise person writing this. If we could be real honest this morning and just talk about some spiritual greats in the Bible, here's King David, right? He had some amazing moments with God and even called himself a man after God's own heart. In Psalms 23, verse 4, it says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of what? Death. So we got some church people in here. What's the next portion? I will fear no why? You with me? I will feel, touchy-feely, I will feel no evil because you're with me. But some of you don't even realize it. 
You're like, where is he? I just, I just want to feel him. I want the goose pimple God this morning. I want to hear that little bird chirping, whatever he chirps. And other times, here's the truth. David cries out to God in the same portion of the Bible. Where are you, God? I can't feel you. Why aren't you answering my prayers? Why are you allowing my enemies to do this? God, where are you? It wasn't always, I feel you. I feel you, dog. I feel you, G. Come on. It wasn't always like that for David. And this is somebody we talk about often here. It was like, I mean, David cried out to God and complained. He flat out complains. Like, God, I just don't feel you. Where are you? You need to be right here. You need to be guiding me every step of the way. I don't know which direction to go. What about this spiritual giant in the Bible? The Apostle Paul in the New Testament. This guy experiences the risen Christ, and it changes his life forever. He went from Saul to Paul. He went from killing Christians to being one and changing the life of many. He has a heavenly experience one time that is so glorious, he's not even allowed to talk about it for a while. And yet, you know what he did for 17 years in his first experience with Jesus? He was out there building tents. Literally, he was making tents. God, give me a chance. Where are you? Where are you, God? I don't feel you right now. I'm just just making tents. Think about this one. This one's going to be a little bit more tougher to swallow, but it's true. Jesus, the Son of God, heals people, loves people, can perform miracles, and eventually on a cross, he literally becomes sin for you and me. And when Jesus becomes sin and died for our sins, God is so holy, he could not look upon this. Whatever happens, this world is is going dark in this moment of Jesus gives up his life. And Jesus looks up at his most desperate moment and cries out these words. If you do not believe me, open your Bible, look at him. My God, my God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me, God? I don't feel you. Why aren't you here? It seems like everything's going black. Jesus, God's son, in his greatest moment of brokenness, of desperation. God, where are you? I felt you my whole life, and now I cannot feel you. I'm just crying out, wanting you more, and I don't know what to do. So I give up my spirit. Where are you, God? You see, throughout history, there are people, there are Bible characters, spiritual giants, and leaders from all walks of the world who would claim to be followers of Jesus who have not always felt God's presence. And this morning, I I would say to you is, if you just don't have all, you don't always have to feel his presence. You don't. You're not alone. What I would say is, is I believe there are possible three different reasons why some of you may say, I want to believe, but I don't feel him right now. There could be more. There could be more reasons. But we can address three, I think, this morning with the time we have left. And 
And I just pray that we have a desire, we have a desire to start pursuing God so we can find him or, or the chance of finding him even more in a more intimate, desirable way that can change a life. And so I feel like one of the ways we don't feel God is, is, is maybe you're over-centralizing uh, it. I mean, you're just literally just going a different direction. Maybe you're doing the exact same thing the disciples were doing. Maybe you're doing the exact same things the disciples were doing it. They're asking for some kind of huge sign, right? They're just looking for this big sign, this big, huge, bold, hey, oh, here's the door. It's so huge. Just walk through. And they, they, they did this in John chapter 6, verse 30, by the way. And it says this. So they asked Jesus, what sign, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? And here's where it gets kind of interesting. These disciples, those who follow Jesus and everything, they've already seen a lot of miracles. They're leveraging scripture, y'all. They're leveraging scripture to make this fit. In verse 31, it says this. It says, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. And as it was written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. You see, these guys are doing something that's just literally leveraging scripture to, to get a sign from God. You been there yet? There are some of you, you may be over-centralizing it. You, you want to know God. You may want to feel it, but you're looking for that audible voice. You're dating a guy that you know you shouldn't be dating, but you're asking God every single night, should I be in the relationship? Do I need to stop having sex? Do I need to stop doing this? You know good and well you're not supposed to be in that relationship. So dump the guy. Get away from him. It's just the truth. Guys are bad. I'm going to tell you about them. Right? Vice versa. Boys? Men? There's some women are bad news. And you don't need to be dating them. Temptation is real. You know what it means to be a man of God. Stick with the plan. You know. Don't be listening, asking, pray for me. No, you know. You know you should not be in that relationship. Or maybe it's that job. Let me, let me push another button. Which one do I take, God? God, there's so many jobs offered right now, and there's this one over here that just looks so, so appealing. There's this one right here that I have to travel a little bit, but, you know, it's a little different. But then there's one right here that's less pay but I get to do ministry at a high level. And you're out there praying and asking everybody to pray with you. you. You know, you already know. You know where you're supposed to be. Be obedient. Be obedient. Go do ministry at a high level. Watch what happens. He might provide something totally more than in your, in your wildest imagination simply because you were faithful with the little things. Or maybe you know that you shouldn't take that big, huge risk with the finances, and you're asking people, should I do this or should I not? You know what you should look like. This is not your money in the first place. You're just asked to manage it. Maybe you're supposed to give more away. Maybe you're supposed to open your hands like this and not like this. And maybe you're just waiting. <laughs> maybe you're just waiting for your wife to apologize. Good luck with that one. Maybe, maybe you're waiting for your husband to apologize. 
Ain't going to happen. Just saying. We're stubborn. And men are prideful. If we're not together seeking on our knees, then we got serious issues. If you're waiting for someone else to go first, well, maybe that's your big sign. Or, or for some of you, literally, you go down the road of, I'm just waiting to find that four or five leaf clover. That'll tell me everything I need to know. You're waiting for the triple rainbow. You're waiting for the unicorn on the side of the street. You're waiting. You're waiting. Come on, stop it. That's ridiculous. That's not God. You're literally just taking all these senses and raw emotions and trying to play and distort the real, true character of God. Let me just tell you this way. God doesn't always reveal himself this way. There are times where you may feel him and there are times you may not. And there are times where literally he just rains down his blessings and you know you are standing on holy ground and you better remove your shoes because it's really, really happening to you. And there might be other ones you're just like, wait a minute, I just don't feel him. That's okay. But don't literally over ask for all these signs all the time and just so, I, you know, I asked, he didn't show up, well, let's go. When I was seven, when I was seven, I went down front at church to accept Christ and, 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 um, and I, you know, if I'm honest, maybe I, I fit the category of a lot of people in this room. Um, growing up in a Baptist church, I, I wanted to do what everybody else was doing during the revival. And if some of you are a little bit older, you remember this, this, this huge, huge push called the Here's Hope Revival in the 1980s. Um, and I went down front. I, I remember that the pastors, anybody, want, and I took, took off running. You know, to be quite honest, I wasn't running for the fact that I wanted to, to be a Christian. I did, but the truth is I wanted two things. I wanted to eat the bread and drink the grape juice. I'm just being honest. I wanted to go down front because all my friends were going to get take communion the next day because we were taking communion, and I did not want to get left out. And so I went down front, and then I told the, the pastor, because my brother explained this to me uh, the night before, and so I'm just really confused as a child. Maybe that's the reason why I am today. But he goes, hey, you know, to experience God is like Luke, Luke Skywalker. It's like the force. So I go to the pastor and say, I want the force. He looked at me and like, what in the world? And I'm just being honest, you know? I'm, I just, I'm trying to just be honest here. And after telling, you know, the people around me in that moment, I just, I, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to feel Jesus. But what I was really saying is I just want to take communion. And I didn't feel, guess what? The next day when we took communion, I nearly choked to death on a cracker that was so stale. <laughs> and then tried to wash it down and nearly choked myself off a little splash like this that just, just opened up some taste buds that I never really experienced before. And I just, I wanted more, but I didn't know, I, I didn't feel nothing different. It was just a moment. I didn't feel any different in that big, huge moment of my first communion. Can't say there was much there. It literally was nothing much more than just a moment. But however, I'll tell you this, about mm, 10 years later in my life, I got a chance to go to Russia. I'm taking communion with some Russian friends, and literally I felt that moment because they used something that was not Welch's grape juice. It went from here all the way down. I felt it. I turned around to my mom. I said, Mom, Ain't great juice. <laughs> don't do it. Baptists don't drink. All the way down, man. I felt it. I felt my first communion. Had to take a seat. 
They looked at me like I, it was just weird, but I was, I was in the spirit. <laughs> I beat that one up way too much. But literally, was there any difference between the first one and that one? I didn't feel it. I didn't feel any different. It was just a moment. I, I, there was just a moment. Why didn't I feel God? Why didn't I feel God? See, when I was in college, a couple years later, when I was 19, I was able to get away for a spiritual weekend. I really didn't want to get away. It's like where that's, you know, they're little weird moments of, of people that just want to invest in your life, and you, they, want to, they want you to experience God. They just want you to, you know, pour life into you, and you're like, eh, you know, I just, I just want, I, I, I don't want to be there, but they, they wanted me there, so I went. And I remember sitting in that circle. I remember sitting in a circle, and they were, we're just praying, and we're asking God to move, and they're all into it, and I'm just sort of just trying to experience it, sort of faking it to make it, right? And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they just started pouring life into me. They set me in the middle of the circle, and they literally started saying, this is what we believe about Jason. This is what we want. We, and, and all of a sudden, it's like the, the, the Holy Spirit just flooded into my life and moved me to the point of tears, and I didn't even know why I was crying. I, I did not know why I was going. You could say it was because of the, 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 the environment, whatever. But here's what happened. Right after that moment, like after three hours of doing this, I literally was like, oh my goodness, this is what it feels like to really experience God. It's not so much a feeling, it's, it's knowing that his presence is right here, right now. And we got to take communion. And that was the moment for the first time in my life that I got to taste. I got to taste his presence. It was so much more than just a, a feeling. It was fa-feeling. It was completely from head to toe out. I mean, just literally, I knew who God was and what he was trying to do with my life. He was trying to change it. And from that moment on, man, I can tell you what God feels like. It's unbelievable. And I believe we all have to acknowledge that those feelings are not evidence of the presence of God. Feelings are not the only evidence of God with us. If you always felt God, you, you wouldn't need faith. If you always felt the presence of God, you wouldn't need faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. There are some of you, if, if I can just say it, you, you're over, over sensualizing it. You really are. You're looking for goosebump feelings and, and, and this audible voice when sometimes it's a quiet whisper. It's a gentle push. It's, it's the gathering of men truly seeking God on their face so you can finally taste and see. Perhaps there's some of you that are looking for this, this, this huge moment and it's never going to happen because there's... there's God's just trying to reveal his presence right here, right now. And here's this next portion. Number two, if you're taking notes. I, I believe maybe some of us, the reason. Now, it's getting ready to get one of those moments of the Baptist church where it's, it's um, I'm stepping on toes. But maybe your heart is hardened. Maybe your heart is hardened so much that you don't even know what's right from wrong. There's some of you, you may not be feeling God because your heart is so hardened because of the, your culture that you set up with who God is. Maybe your heart is hardened because you were close to God at one point and now your heart is, is, is so soft to the things of God. 
And so let me just quote something here. This was Jesus quoting the prophet Isaiah in Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verses 14 and 15. When Jesus said this, he said, You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. Now check this out. For this people's heart has become what? Calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. What happened? What happened? They were closed. They, they closed off. They shut things down, perhaps to God all at once. But over time, their heart grew hard. Now, spiritually, they, they didn't see like they used to see spiritually. Some of you had a spiritually awakening moment when you first experienced Jesus and you went all in and you just, you just knew you were changed. They didn't hear like they used to because they just they could you know, listen to God and feel like he was speaking all the time. And if you're in this place, in this moment right here, this is a very dangerous place to be, very dangerous place to be because this can actually separate you from God. A hardened heart can take you further away because you have the head knowledge all day long, but your heart is getting calloused. You can fool your neighbor, but you can't fool God. You can fool your neighbor. You can fool your parents. But God sees right through it. He knows your heart. You need to understand this. The number one cause of, of the hardened heart, and here it comes. Here comes the, sto- the toe stepping, okay? If you want to curl them back, you go right ahead and hide them underneath the chair. That's fine with me. Some of you might want to stick them up in your chair, but the truth is this. Some of the reasons why your heart is so hardened and you can't feel God is because you're sinning. And you have justified it. You have justified your sin. And you said, this is okay. You, you're just living in sin with God. Doesn't mean you don't know God. It just means God doesn't, you know, God is not, just not you know, present in the heart. That's, bottom line, it's, it's, it's just that simple. Let me explain to you this way. If sin, uh, if you sin against God, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you any less. You're, you're, or you're not a Christian. No, you, you sin against God and you're a follower of Jesus. You're still a follower of Jesus. What happens is the sin breaks the intimacy with God that he wants and desires from your heart. Let me put it this way. If, if you're a husband and a wife, and the husband of the wife commits adultery. What happens? Are they still married? Yes. The answer is yes, they're still married. Is the intimacy that, that, that was once there before, is it still as strong as it once was? No. Intimacy or trust is now broken. Sin separates and breaks the fellowship that once was there. This is what happens with God. Whenever we live with an ongoing sin, we mess up and we get so distant from God. We get calloused hearts. If I'm just honest, I'll mess up all day. I mean, sometimes I feel like I mess up too much. And you'll mess up today. But when, when we continue to live in it and we're not repenting from it and we're not confessing it, God, help me cleanse me of this sin. Remove this, this ugliness from my heart. When we're not dealing with it over time, it's like a, 
calloused or plagued or just a heart distant from God. You don't have a heartbeat chasing after you. You're not pursuing. It, it grows hard. And suddenly, we can't sense or see or hear God whatsoever. And he is screaming at you. If I could be completely transparent, I believe this is, is what's holding the church back from creating movements like we used to see in Jesus' time. Because if we continue to let sin rule our lives and our hearts, how are we supposed to let the outside world see God? If God's not there, it, that means you're, you've substituted with something. And that something is separating and blocking you from feeling the real intimacy and the goodness that, that God wants you to have. And you simply don't feel him because your heart is hardened. Some of you may say, well, you know, I'm not doing some of those big sins out there, you know. Congratulations. Do you ever notice in the Bible it says a sin is a? Sin. Yeah. But why do we justify him? The problem is, is so many of us have learned to live with our culture and the sins, and the church has gravitated to some of the culture of accepting the sins. Well, if, if everybody does it, if it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. I, I, you go on living with it, and it becomes just a calloused heart. I don't know what it might be, but, but it might be envy. It might be envy or lust. You can't go on Facebook or Instagram without going, I want those shoes. She's got them. I want them. Click, click, click. Or I want to go to the beach. Spring break's coming up, right? Man, I, man we just got to get to the beach. We want to go to the beach. I wish I, would, or, or I, wish I had that girl. Whew, she's hot. I, I wish I had a girl like that. Or I hate them. Man, I hate them. They got everything. I hate all those people because envy. You live with it and it just becomes a calloused heart. What about this one? This one's big in the church, by the way. Gossip. Gossip. The number one reason why people don't come to church is because gossip. We gossip good, man. Because we're going to pray for everybody. Did you know? <laughs> Let's just pray for him right now. Did you know? We get little circle groups and everything. We justify it. Hey, if you don't talk about your problems, why are you talking about his? I'm just being honest. Hey, if we, we, we want to share somebody else's junk through prayer, man, you better get ready for some spiritual judgment one day because it's going to be painful. It, it's it's going to be painful. What about this one? What about gluttony? Come on, let's just be really real today. What about gluttony? This is a huge one in the churches, Right? We got a potluck for everything, it seems like. What about this one? It could be laziness. I'll let somebody else do it. I'll just let that person do it. What about this one? That click does not hurt anybody. That one click on the internet does not hurt anybody. It, wait a minute, it's on, it's on my cell phone. No one to know that one click. It could be some culture sin that is just kind of leaves our heart in this hardened state of mind so we can't feel it anymore. The reason I know this is because there are so many times in my life where I've let something unrighteous live in my heart and I've had to say, God, I'm sorry. 
I'm not sensing you now, and I confess this is what's wrong. Forgive me, cleanse me of this. Even in my walk with my wife, even in our relationship, there are moments when I just, I'm sorry. I know I don't say it enough to her, but I know there's things that have got to be pulled apart. This is what David prayed in the Old Testament after his sins did a lot of sins. He, he prayed out to God in this sense in Psalms 51.10, and maybe you know it. It says this, create in me a what? Pure heart. God, maybe just create in you, all of us a pure heart this morning. Maybe your heart's heart, and maybe you need to cry out that right there. Create in me a pure heart. Renew with me a right spiritual heart. Restore to me the joy of my salvation that I once felt. There may be some of you again, and I don't want this to be like a, a heap of guilt on you because you already feel bad. That's not my heart. But maybe you just don't feel the presence of God because you've got sin that's blocking that main artery of truth and reality, and he's already here. He's just waiting for you to confess it. He's still with you. Number three, maybe God wants literally to draw you closer. Maybe God wants to draw you closer. In Acts chapter 17, verse 26 through 27, Paul was preaching to Athens. And he preached this way and he said this. I can imagine he said something. From one man, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him. And perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far away from any of us. What did God do? God did this. God created. God showed the glory of who he was. He did this so that people would reach out and say, I want that. I want to know him. I want to pursue him. And there may be times, and this is just me suggesting it, that you may not feel God because he wants to bring us to a place where you have, you have more of a desire for him. What does, um, what does it mean to be starving, right? It means you're hungry for something. And, and so it draws us out to what? Go find the, the huge buffet, the huge smorgasbord of food. It draws us out of desire to want more, right? And if you get hungry, you're going to go seek it out. If you don't drink, what do you do? You get thirsty. You're going to go find some, something to drink, some beverage to wash it down with. If I don't sense the presence of God, I might just start hungering and thirsting for God. And I pray that happens. What if God in his glory draws you out to seek him where you start to long for him more? And I know God is a jealous God. He wants us in a relationship. He wants to be the number one person in your life. And he wants to be the greatest object in your life and everything. He wants you to pursue him. And I, and I just don't feel him though. I would just say this, feelings are not faith. Just because God feels silent doesn't mean that he's absent, guys. We, we need to be constantly pursuing God. The good news is that according to Jeremiah 20, verse 9, if you seek me, God says, you will find me. God says, when you, when you seek me with all your heart, I will find you. 
declares the Lord. When you seek me, you will find me. You see, my God is always with me. My God is always with me. And so I'd say it this way as we just sort of round the corner and shut it down as the band comes up and starts singing. Don't trust your feelings because feelings aren't facts. The fact is your God will never leave you or forsake you. You just got to start seeking him. So here's the deal. Any time you truly sense in a, in a powerful or even supernatural way that God is with you, embrace it because he is. If you get goosebumps and you got that, that easy feeling and, you, and there are times when you just take off your shoes and say, I'm standing on holy ground and I know it. You, you get on your face and you stop in awe and of God and embrace that moment because, because not everybody gets to experience it. Look at it. Moses, one of the only people that got to experience, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. Take off your sandals and experience me, Moses. I'm going to do something with your life that is going to rock your world. You just got to be in the presence. And you may be running, but I'm telling you, He's chasing after you. And when you're driving home from work and you see that amazing sunset, you just simply respond to God, well done. Well done, God. You say, I see you there, God. That is simply amazing. You're just displaying your glory through the heavens. And I sense your presence. Thanks for giving me this one moment. And when you pray for someone during the day and you make a difference or you reach out and you just walk across the room to someone or give something to someone, God, I just felt your presence as you use me to represent your love to others. Or when you come home from work and you're tired, you're beat down, you don't have an ounce of energy left, even in my life this week. You walk into your home and you see your family sitting on the couch, my wife, beautiful kids, and a baby oohing and gone, my four M&Ms, a little eight-week-old gigantic dude that's 15 pounds. You just pause and soak it in and say, God, I recognize your presence there. You just sit there and just say, God, why did you bless me this way? I don't deserve it. You just have to sit there and take it in and know that he works in the midst of everything. Not in just these spiritual huge moments that we get together, but in everything, God is there. He's here right now and he just wants you to do one thing. He just wants you to turn your heart to the simple gospel truth. Stop trying to make sense of all this other stuff and just focus on him, period. That's why he did what he did. That's why he came out of the tomb and said, I am here. Party on. Let's do this. It's going to be good. You just got to follow me. You just got to follow me. So let's sum it up with this. Let's just stop all the butts. Let's just drop them. About all this feely stuff, this touchy-feely stuff in life because it just gets us confused, right? Especially with God. Don't ever do that again. Don't put yourself in that box because God wants so much more for you. Because 
we, he wants us to seek him in all things. And when you seek him, you will find him because he loves to reveal himself to those who pursue him. And so my question for us, are you pursuing him this morning? Or is it more of a feeling? For some of you are going to have to own it. You're going to have to own that. Are you really chasing after him? Some of you haven't been to the altar ever because you're too prideful. I can do it in my chair. I can do it at home. I can do it here. And I'm telling you, watch what happens when you chase after him. There, you might start a movement. You might start something contagious. It's up to you. Don't be looking for the oh, all the light bulbs all of a sudden go off. That's God. Come on. He's already here. He's waiting for you to respond. He's waiting for the man of God or that woman of faith to stand up and say, I feel you, God. I'm going to do this. And no one can stop me, not even the gates of hell. Because I got my water pistol. And I'm charging them. And my question is, who's with me? If you ain't with him. Jesus, thank you so much for what you're doing in the lives of people. And I'm just praying. I'm praying that you move us. Remove the spirit of pride. Humble us. Humble us in a way that we just know we sense your presence. We feel you in a way that literally we just we we just we just want to respond by seeking you even more. We desperately just cry out to the God to forgive us if we don't do it this way. God, you made the gospel so simple, but we've, we've just literally junked it up with all these things that get in the way of truly feeling your presence. God, remove all those distractions right now. Lord, I just pray for the next couple minutes so we can just laser focus on your Holy Spirit in a way that literally moves mountains. For the very first time, may somebody experience you. Just cloud out the Father. We thank you for what you're doing. I just turn your heart. Your hope.